who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. This is John Roca, one-third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of The, the Geek, Geek Buddies. Buddies. Hey! I am... Uh, Sorry, I got really excited. I got into it. Already trying to bully the episode. There he goes, Michael. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am one of your hosts. I am uh, John Roca, a writer, uh, producer, uh, and uh, host over at Collider and a voiceover artist as well. I am Michael Vogel, a writer, producer of animated shows, and apparently a podcast bully. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Shannon McClung, a podcast bullying standby E, who's also an animation writer and an actor, where you might have seen me on 911, The Middle, and The Orville. <laughs> I love this. Hey. 
I love uh, your, your friends every week are always just like a crapshoot of excitement. Yeah, you it's never what know pops up on up. my IMDb first. Yeah. How much farther are we going to go back? Like, are we going back to college? Where you going to start talking about your plays, or should I should I talk about? Oh God, you might know me play. from Creation of the World, oh, oh, my gosh. where I played Abel in the Free Works Theater at Florida State University in a black box. Thank you very much. Uh, we are currently We're ordering drinks at the Roosevelt Hotel yes, in Hollywood in the bar. They're, they're very kind to let us record this podcast here and. Uh, uh, talk about nerdy and geeky stuff here in the world. Talking so, about nerdy stuff in the center of Hollywood, across from the Chinese theater. Who would have known? Um, all right, so th- you guys know who've listened to the show before, and if you're new to the show, welcome. Welcome. Thanks for, welcome. Gi- thanks for giving us a chance. Pull uh, up a chair. Order a drink. That's right. We, we want you to be our buddy, because we're buddies. Um, and how the show usually works is that each of us brings up a news item, we discuss it for a little bit, move on to the next news item, move on to the next news item, and then we talk about a main topic, uh, and uh, we go from there. But let's start out. Michael, you've got some big announcement to make about one of the shows that you work on. I do. My geek news of the week is actually uh, personal for me. Um, in My Little Pony's final season, which is currently airing on Discovery Family, uh, this week's episode introduces uh, My Little Pony's first same-sex couple. Wow. Um, so that's been in a lot of news stories. It was on BuzzFeed today. BuzzFeed actually interviewed me about it, Ooh. and it was very exciting. Nice. Uh, and as a uh, gay writer of animation, it was an exciting thing for me. Uh, these are actually two characters that uh, I created, I co-created with Nicole Dubuque, who is one of the executive producers on My Little Pony. Right. We wrote a book series together uh, a year and a half ago. Um about these uh, younger characters in My Little Pony, the Cutie Mark Crusaders, and we had an opportunity to explore the home life of one of them that had not yet been explored in the show, and we thought that would be an interesting opportunity to try and uh, add a little diversity and inclusivity, and we asked Hasbro, and they let us add these uh, two ants uh-huh. for this young filly uh, into, the sh- into the book that we wrote, and because Nicole and uh, Josh Haber... Uh, who's another friend of the Geek Buddies, yes. were uh, both running season nine of the show, they brought those characters that we had created in this chapter book into the series. So oh. that's how it came about. We have these two same-sex characters. But, you know, it's, it's something that's been happening a lot in animation. Uh, Arthur recently had a gay wedding mm. on PBS. Um, Steven Universe on Cartoon Network. Rebecca Sugar has worked really hard to bring up LGBTQ issues, particularly trans issues, identity issues, gender nonconforming issues. And so for me personally, it was something that was really, really exciting uh, to introduce a same-sex couple. It's ridiculous because I'm literally like talking to BuzzFeed today about uh, same-sex ponies, which is the most bizarre thing in the world that you can talk about. Um, But it's exciting. And it's so all day long on Twitter, I've been sort of fielding uh, 90% super, super positive positive responses and 10% you're going to hell why are you trying to ruin children's lives responses Um, but that's part and parcel of doing something like this but so I'm very proud of it it's something I'm excited about I'm very excited uh, for everybody who's involved with My Little Pony and I'm very happy that Hasbro allowed the My Little Pony crew to do this and it's something that is really important to me uh, And something that I hope that I get to continue to do on all the shows that I work on. So, and when is the episode? Did the episode already drop? Or is no, it actually drops uh, this Saturday. Okay, so this upcoming Saturday, and then. Uh if you don't watch Discovery Family or you don't get Discovery Family, uh, the season nine episodes will be coming on to Netflix uh, in the next several months. The, okay. the turnaround is pretty quick. Um, so Aunt, uh, Aunt, 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 Aunt Holiday and Auntie Lofty. Okay. These are our lesbian ponies. Yeah, Vogel actually showed me one of the, te- one of the tweets that was uh, not as nice. Yeah. And it was littered with misspelled words. Well, of course. 
Anger, uh, anger knows no bounds on Twitter. Anger knows no bounds. And, and punctuation. Uh, and, and often a lot of people who uh, are less open-minded are also less grammatically correct on Twitter. <laughs> and less ed- educated. Anger knows no spell check. Yeah. Was this uh, news released to coincide with Pride from this past weekend? No. You know, I actually think it is one of those amazingly happy coincidences. Okay. Uh, I don't think that Hasbro planned necessarily to have this come out at Pride, but it's like one of those magical faded-to-be things. Yeah. So uh, as I have been spending the past several days recovering from last weekend's Los Angeles Gay Pride Festival, <laughs> uh, it was one of those kind of fun things that happened that has kind of kept the Pride love going. Oh. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's what do you guys think about it? I mean, you know, like, what do you guys think about, like, gay characters and kids' animation? Uh... Well, as we've said, you know, we, we've talked about this after we watched Into the Spider-Verse, the yep. amount of kids that got to see a superhero that looked like them yep. for the first time, and how my, myself, as, as an adult white guy, like, this is not something that has ever entered my head, because this is what stuff looked like when I grew up. I just sort of assumed this is how it went. Yeah. And, Opening that door to the possibility of, like, you know what, kids for a long time didn't have anything to relate to. I think it's fantastic yeah. Yeah. that this is that this is happening now. When you initially, when you guys pitched it to Hasbro, was it sort of was there was there a hesitancy? Was there any sort of discussion? I think we sort of did it in a very roundabout way that allowed it to happen, which was mm. I think had. And look, I don't. I I think maybe Hasbro would have been completely okay with it, and it would have been fine. I don't. I'm not saying that Hasbro is an unaccepting company. They do a lot of really wonderful things. Yeah. But I think that for a lot of people, even very accepting people, kids animation shows that are targeted to kids still make people uncomfortable. And I think Rebecca Sugar, uh, who is the creator of Steven Universe, spoke very eloquently about this, where she said that the issue is that people kind of feel like, well. Being gay, being LGBTQ is fine, but let's not put it in kids' animation because that's confusing or it's weird or it's adult or inappropriate. And that's just not correct because most of us, when we were really young, knew that we were different. And seeing these characters in a show that we were watching, like an animated show, would have been amazing. Yeah. Uh, And so so what I was going to say is I don't think... I think that it does make people uncomfortable, and I think if we just got, had had Nicole and Josh gone to Hasbro and said we want to introduce these characters in a show, we want to create these characters, we want to do a same-sex couple, people might have been like, "Oh, do we? Should we? I don't know." But because we sort of asked them to do it in a chapter book, which was a much less public thing, there there was kind of like, uh, "Yeah, okay, that's fine." Yeah. And then once they were created, it was a lot easier to say we want to take these characters that were created in this other medium and bring them to the show. So I think it sort of worked itself out in a very sort of organic, natural way that made it easy for everybody to allow it to happen. Yeah, I have to say for me personally, I don't have any problem with it. I think it's great. And I think the more of this stuff that's out there, the stigma dies more and more about it. And that's the thing that we have to, this idea that, oh, you can't present a children's, that inherently implies it's a taboo subject. Exactly. And it shouldn't be a taboo subject anymore. Those days should be way long and gone and dead by now. I mean, I liken it to the documentary we saw early last year of uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, the Mr. Rogers documentary. And they talk, he talks about how he had the black mailman put his feet in the pool with him because apparently they weren't allowing black people to go in the pools with white people. And this was his way of saying a protest, saying... It's, this is unnatural for you to actually feel that this is an issue. It's not unnatural for it to be an issue. It's unnatural for you to feel that it's an issue. And this is the same situation here. I think we have to turn the stigma around where it's unnatural for you to think this is not right. And that's important. And it's not about, like, 
you can hide behind religion or your own because I always think it's about people's personal actual issue with it and they use religion as the shield to uh, accentuate their belief about it to hide behind that saying oh it's against God or whatever but I, homosexuality is as natural as heterosexuality and this this needs to be the norm from now on and little, um, uh, how can I say, not little, but like gestures like this go a long way. And it's a, another little step forward to p- destroying that stigma. Well, I know. I think you are right. And I don't think saying little is actually demeaning to it. It's okay. the same thing that you were saying about Mr. Rogers putting his feet in the in the pool. It's, it's, it's little in that it's a small gesture. Right. That's what but I But the effect that a small gesture or seeing a couple that looks like you can have... Yeah actually has really big results right why don't my kids who are gay get to watch themselves on a show they should if if i had gay if i had kids who were gay this is all should be all fully accepted going forward and i'm sorry if it means more effort from other people to have to explain things to your kids welcome to being an adult this is how it goes you wanted to have the sex you wanted to have the child you need to take responsibility for the situation it's not our job to make sure your your uh Feelings about the situation uh, need to be paramount over the overall goal of society. That's the truth of life. It's always been that way. So to me, I, I think people sending you negative things uh, can are are actually being against the word of uh, in against the word of of I don't know. I don't want to get too deep in it. I just feel like it's it's against the natural order of things, in my opinion, and the universe. So I don't want to say too much. I don't want to say too much. It's just my opinion. Just <laughs> well, my I'm opinion. very lucky to have two geek buddies that are so accepting. <laughs> so thank you. You're welcome, man. You're welcome. Uh, all right, let's move on to my story. And, and everybody, look for that episode. Yeah, this absolutely. Saturday. Look for the episode, and uh, hopefully. More lesbian ponies and unicorns and who, whatever else we create next in future animated shows will all be there right. for everybody. Right. And if you so want, stay tuned. And if you want to read the BuzzFeed article, you can go to our Twitter. It was tweeted by the person who runs our social media. So you can read that interview there with Michael. So, all right, let's move on to... Whoever's running our social media is very lovely. <laughs> they do a really great job. I bet they work out. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Yes, they do. You're right there, Shorty. Yeah, sorry about that. Still residue from my bronchitis from a couple weeks ago. Uh, You're going to kick us out of the Roosevelt Hotel if you keep that up. (laughs) It's true. It's a fair point. We worked really hard to get in here. Thanks to Michael Vogel for getting us in here. (laughs) Yeah, true, Michael. Yeah. Um, All right. This is from the Quentin Tarantino situation with Star Trek. It kind of hit this morning. Um, uh, He did an interview with Empire Online because everybody knows Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is coming out really soon. So he's starting the press and yep. doing the interviews and doing the rounds or what have you. And they asked him about Star Trek, right? And uh, if you, this thing you know about uh, Tarantino is he said that his 10th film is his last film. But this news broke a few months ago that he'd written a Star Trek script that uh, is R-rated. And when he was asked about it, uh, if he thought this thing was still happening, he said, uh, and if it would feature profanity, he said, Oh yeah, uh, that's that was his response, and uh, it's he said it's an R-rated movie. If I do it, it'll be R-rated. There's a script that exists for it now. I need to weigh in on it, but I haven't been able to do that just yet. So you look at the situation, and to me, I want to ask you guys: Do you think an R-rated Star Trek movie by Quentin Tarantino is something that a the franchise needs, and b we need as movie as a movie going public. 
I think, you know, from time to time with these franchises that have existed for decades, every once in a while they need a shot in the arm. Mm -hmm. They need something to kind of broaden their horizons for the future. Am I curious about what a Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie would look like? Absolutely. Do I think we need it? Yeah. Not really. Okay. Michael? I don't have a... Well, okay. Uh, Executive hat. Okay. I don't think Star Trek needs an R-rated franchise. Star Trek needs to get kids interested in Star Trek. Yes. A bunch of older people going to see a Star Trek movie doesn't really do it for them to really continue to grow the franchise. Right. Fan hat. I'm totally fine seeing an R-rated Star Trek movie. Okay. I was totally fine on Star Trek Discovery uh, with having them curse or seeing like weird strippers on Chronos. Uh, yeah. So like, I don't have an issue with adult things. I think my issue is more with Quentin Tarantino than a rating. Okay. Um, I think that one of the things that is great about the Star Trek universe is it is inherently at its very core. And this is throughout every version, even though yeah. some versions have been uh, uh, more... Uh, Lighthearted, and some have been heavier, and everything else. Star Trek, at its heart, is a optimistic view yes. of the universe. Yes, and I think that Quentin Tarantino, as much as I love most of his films, mm-hmm. is at heart a more cynical view of the world right. and of people. And so, I think that I don't know that those two things go together. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that I need to see a bunch of Quentin Tarantino characters in the Federation of Planets yeah. because I think that what I love about Star Trek is not necessarily what I love about Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I think Tar- a Tarantino Star Wars film makes more sense to me than a Tarantino Star Trek film. Tar- uh, yeah, I, so, I actually don't disagree with that. Star Trek is about what we hope to become in the future, right? A marriage of all the species coming together to create the United Federation of Planets. It's about what we could be, what we aspire to be uh, as a people and as a species across the galaxy. Star Wars is about good versus evil. That's what it is at its core. Yes, is there redemption? Yes, are there changes? Sure. And Star Wars has a lot more gray area with the bounty hunters, the outer rim. I mean, there's there's a world of gangsters and slumlords yeah. and huts and everything that if Quentin Tarantino went and, and explored that darker side yeah. of, of, of uh, the Star Wars universe, I would be like, I'm here for that. That's yeah. amazing. So a Tarantino Boba Fett film oh, you yeah. would be down for. Hell more, yeah. more a Tarantino Jabba the Hutt film where Jabba the Hutt is like Marcellus Wallace. Well, I mean, like, I, that's kind of what I want to... Well, that's what Guillermo... Salacious Crumb the Gimp. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now we're talking, guys. <laughs> that's what Guillermo del Toro pitched, that Jabba the Hutt underworld movie. He was going to turn it into The Godfather. He was going to have Jabba the Hutt basically be The Godfather. And that is such to hear him talk about it in that interview we did a couple... Or Perry did with him a couple years ago, just incredible to hear him talk about it. You, you, like, your mind just starts racing. Now, but, look, but Tarantino is the game... But you look... There's the Borg, there's the Romulans, there's the Klingons, obviously. But the Cardassians. Oh, yeah, right, the Cardassians, hello. But, like, that's there's possibilities to do already. There's certainly material within those uh, uh, villains, uh, or traditional villains in the Star Wars universe, to do that with. But I just think you take away the inherent point of Star Wars, which is about... Star Trek. Star Trek, sorry, Star Trek, which is about coming together and, uh, you know, overcoming that to achieve a larger goal. And now that's look, not usually Star maybe, Wars' point of view. Maybe we're selling Quentin Tarantino short here. Like, Quentin Tarantino is an amazing director, and sure. he is a tried-and-true legitimate geek. 
So sure. I'm not trying to take away the fact that he might have an absolutely amazing Star Trek story in him. Sure. Um, but just going on his body of work, which I am a huge fan of, um, I just don't know that it goes. It's sort of like I love I love a Cuban sandwich. Yeah. And I love Rocky Road ice cream. I don't want to eat a Cuban sandwich with Rocky Road ice cream. Okay. I don't know why I use those two as examples. I'm very hungry right now. Which one yeah. is Tarantino? I yeah. think when he's the Cuban sandwich, okay. wouldn't you say? Thank God. Yeah. Like he's the Cuban sandwich. No, no, yeah. Sam Jackson is the is the uh, uh, Rocky Road ice cream. Um, <laughs> what I would say is there are other directors that could do an R-rated Star Trek film that would be interesting. Christopher Nolan could be interesting as an R-rated Star Trek film. Yeah. David Fincher would be an interesting Star uh, R-rated Star Trek film. I don't know that Tarantino excites me for an R-rated Star Trek film. So we'll see as this goes down. Plus, it's his 10th movie. Will this really be the last one he does? A Star Trek movie be the last one he does? That would surprise me. There's this Django Zorro thing that they've been that they announced a few. The Django Zorro thing, I'm legitimately awesome. interested yeah, we're in. We're all in I for that. Awesome. Yeah, that would be a great idea for a 10th film. Yeah. So the way he may get around this, though, and we talked about it on Movie Talk, is that he may write the script for the movie but not direct the movie. That would be interesting. If he starts to write scripts for other franchises, that would be fascinating. Yeah. A Quentin Tarantino Marvel film or DC film, actually, that's more of the right combination. A Tarantino Lobo film? Sure. Hell, I'd take a Tarantino Batman film, to be honest with you. If we wanted to get a little older and darker, I'm down. (laughs) I am mother effing Batman. Uh, Can you imagine a Tarantino Joker film like we're about to see from Todd Phillips? I mean, I, I, I think that Todd Phillips Joker movie is all the Joker that I can handle. It's very, it's a lot of a lot. <laughs> I'm just saying, I would replace Todd with Quentin in a heartbeat. Uh, all right. Anyway, so let you know. You heard about the gay, uh, the gay ponies. Now you heard about the uh, the uh, Tarantino Star Trek. Now guy. what I want to see is a Tarantino Star Trek film with gay ponies. In I'm it. down. I'm down. I want to see a Tarantino written My Little Pony episode. That's what you need to pitch, motherfucker. By the way. And granted, I am very biased. I've lived in the My Little Pony universe of Equestria for a very long time. But there is absolutely a Quentin Tarantino My Little Pony story to be told. I am not shitting you on this. Who is the lead character in that story? Off the top of your head. The lead character in a Quentin Tarantino... Well, actually, if you watch the My Little Pony feature film, we have two ponies based on Sam Jackson and John uh, Travolta. Yeah. yeah. They are... uh, yeah, they're in the movie, so you can see them. Uh, the Sam Jackson ponies uh, cutie mark is a wallet. Yeah. So there you go. They would be the leads. Um, but if there was a main character that was going to be the lead of a, of a Quentin Tarantino, uh, well, because we're talking about Star Trek, it would be Discord, our Lord of Chaos, voiced by John Delancey, who okay. is also Q. All there right. you go. Boom. Boom. Brought it home. Next subject. <laughs> Next nice. subject. Nice. All right, let's move on. Shannon, you take this So one. one of the things that we haven't really talked about on our podcast, yeah. on Geek Buddies, but is a very huge part of geek culture, are video games. Yes. Yeah. Um, I grew up on the Nintendo Entertainment System. I skipped the Super Nintendo. I went to Nintendo 64, and I've had every Xbox and PS uh, PlayStation. You the Super Nintendo? I skipped the Super you Nintendo. Out, That's where I started. I know. I remember there was a Super Star Wars game, and I, yeah. was, I was trying to make out with girls. At oh. that time, and I did no. not. I, I was clearly not. <laughs> you had a lot of time to devote to Super <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> but speaking of video <laughs> games, at E3, yeah. they just debuted the trailer for Marvel's Avengers video game from uh, Square Enix. 
So they announced this game about two years ago, mm-hmm. I believe. I believe yep. it was in 2017. Yep. And people have been so jazzed about getting a first look about what this game is going to be. Who's the, who's the roster? Who's the team? What's the gameplay going to be? The first trailer came out that was primarily cinematics. Uh, the first trailer came out, and while I think the little bit of what might be the gameplay looks cool, a lot of people had issue with the way that the team looked. Yeah, and sounded. Uh, and that's putting it mildly. And that is putting it mildly. Twitter, <laughs> I've seen some great memes yeah. from uh, Spaceballs. Like, you idiots, they, <laughs> you captured Those are stunt, stunt doubles. doubles. <laughs> I, li- I want to give a shout-out again to my friend Ash Crossan, who tweeted a picture of the Us family in the red with the picture of the Avengers. <laughs> Say that was the alternate version of the of that family in the Us. So, in the so us what movie. do you guys think? Of, I, have, I have some thoughts yeah. on this, but what do you guys think about the reaction to this? How, how did you guys feel about how the Avengers lineup looked in the in the cinematic? Well, are, the, are we talking just optically? Are we just talking just talking aesthetics? Because I, I do feel like the the way everyone looks just a little unnatural. Natural. There's yes. there's, there's always going to be, but that yeah, there's an, for the foreseeable future an uncanny an uncanny valley issue. Right, and for anybody listening that's not aware, the Uncanny Valley is that thing that happens when an animated character, whether it's in a CG animated film, uh, CG live action, or a video game, where they're close enough to human that they start to look like they're almost real, but they look really weird. Like when you have a character like uh, Mr. Incredible or any of the characters in Incredibles where they look cartoony, you're in safe ground, but these video game characters... When you're going for photorealism. They're almost human, and because they're almost human... Uh, every human being in the world is an expert at watching humans move because we do it all day. And so when you see little things that are off, it really bugs you. And that's what the Uncanny Valley is. And any video game d- has that issue. I think this these characters in this trailer definitely had that issue. But there are certain games where that is not as big of an issue. Right. Uh, the Arkham games, yep. for instance. Um, the Uncharted games. Uh, it's a tad there, but this one looks like a game from the cinematics. This looks like a game that probably would have come out 13, 14 years ago. That's the problem. See, I, that's my counter to this because I play the sports games, and the sports, they get the faces almost correct. Is it weird when they're reacting to stuff? Yes, but the face construction is very, very close to the actual person. So that's what I found was so weird about this is, A, you're, you're releasing this on the heels of Marvel of Avengers Endgame. You're not telling people that this has nothing to do with the MCU. Then you just drop this trailer at E3 and people are going to react comparing it to what you to the characters that are in the MCU, the actors playing. Now, do they have contracts for these licenses? Clearly not, because these people didn't look like the people from uh, the MCU. Do they have contract to do their voices? Clearly not, because these people didn't sound like well, it. So you take a new approach to it, people are going to but, react to it in a negative way. But I mean, I would way. argue a little bit with that because sure. when the Spider-Man game came I'm out on PS4, let me finish my point. Yes, go ahead. Yes. Well, no, but I was—I just wanted to say before I forgot. <laughs> uh, when the Spider-Man game came out on PS4, yeah. and everybody flipped out about how amazing it was. Yeah. That doesn't look like Tom Holland or no, no, it doesn't. Right. Andrew Garfield or well, any I, version. But of I would argue that he's only had one movie. Whereas we've had many movies with these Avengers. I mean, you've been in three movies, but okay. Well, no, but we've had these characters Four for, for ten years. Three, you mean for ten years. Yeah, right. And it was really, it was Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of Tony Stark that kind of shaped that character yeah. from 2008 on. I don't think it's as big an issue that they, that it's, it's not 
connected to the MCU, that they're doing an original story. I think it's just the animation just kind of doesn't look great. Now, granted, yeah. the, the game does not come out, I believe, for almost a year. I believe right. it's May of 2020. But my guess is their artists are not worried about the cinematics. They're going to be focusing on the gameplay. There was one right. particular scene where Tony Stark is yelling, I think it's at Bruce Banner, and his hair looks just it's yeah. floofy. It's well, just an element of floof. He looks, well, looks like Jesus. Well, I mean, cause, but what's happening there, I mean, if you watch the trailer, like, the Avengers are at all some event called A-Day, yeah. and then uh, the Brooklyn Bridge or some bridge right. explodes, they'll go there. It's in San Francisco, yeah. it's the Golden Gate okay. Bridge. Okay, Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, they go and deal with that, then something happens, and the Avengers make a big mistake, and then it cuts to a certain point in the future yeah. where the team has sort Five of broken up. Mm-hmm. So when Tony shows up in that scene that you're talking about, it's years <laughs> later, and he's not been Iron Man for a while. But like, he's I will been say, using hair product. Well, Is that what you're saying? They're, they're doing like the Doc Brown version yeah, of Tony Stark. Pretty much. Pretty much. It, it's. I, I will say. Uh, they, that that is the best Avengers Pantene Pro V commercial I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> well, also the characters don't seem to be. I don't know. We'll see as it goes along, right? As a trailer, I felt like it didn't really capture what you were hoping to see in a game like this. The gameplay, though, looks great. Gameplay, I'm sure the gameplay is going to be amazing. And these I are, think these the, are the cinematics people, of the Hulk look awesome. Right. Well, these are the people who did the Tomb Raider series, rebooted the Tomb Raider, and those have been great. So I have no doubt about the gameplay. But the, if the majority of the people reacting to this trailer are negative, then you've, you're going to have a tough uh, boulder to push up the hill here because people are going to have, want to attach to these characters. And if they feel like this animation is from 15 years ago, it's going to make it difficult. Bad cinematics can ruin a game. Yes. Now, good cinematics can sort of elevate an average game. There was a game that came out, uh, I, I think it was just the regular Xbox, Justice League Heroes. Do you remember this oh, yeah. game? I do. So where you, you're, you're doubling up, like you can play two people at a time, where right. you're playing uh, various members of the Justice League. The cinematics of that game were awesome. Ron Perlman voiced Batman. Like, that game was a blast because of those cinematics. Right. The first, was it, no, it wasn't Injustice. It was what came before Injustice. It was DC versus Mortal Kombat, yeah, yeah. I think. I think so. The cinematics for that game were terrible yeah, yeah. and that's I think what really sort of diluted that brand and then they rebooted it strictly as injustice right right okay well I mean we'll see how this plays out because clearly it wasn't the effect they were hoping for no and so now you wonder are they going to go back into the drawing room or drawing board and change this around and make adjustments we saw Sonic they announced they're going to make adjustments to that animated film so is the same thing going to happen here like Sonic will be in the Avengers game? No, no. I mean, like they Sonic, they announced they're going to delay the film three months so they can work on the animation. I'll tell you what, you put Sonic in an Avengers game, I am in. Right. Even with the floofy hair? And the weird... Maybe, uh, it's, Tony it's and it's Sonic, Sonic versus Tony with the floofy hair. <laughs> and the weird teeth? Tony with the floofy hair is the big boss. <laughs> and the muscular legs? You're okay with that? <laughs> Sonic has, what are the rings? The Mandarin, the Mandarin villain, the 12 rings? Yeah, 12 rings. <laughs> well, and I wonder if this, and if they do change it, is this yet another step going on the heels of the Sonic thing where these studios are listening to the fans and then adjusting things... Uh, to placate them, even if it delays the release of a sh- of a film or a game, I wonder. I think sort of the impossible task to do that is because with Sonic, you're talking about one character, right? With the Avengers, you're talking about yeah. five characters 
throughout all of your cinematics because no, right. nobody came out looking good. Right, and look, not just five, because they the creators, one of the creators said, for all you Hawkeye fans, don't worry, he's in the game too. So there's six characters. God at least, at uh, least, there's probably more. Right. Well, uh, and Hank Pym is going to pop up at some right. point as well. Well, Abomination surely showed up, um, and I wonder, where, I wonder what they're going to do. I wonder how they're going to react to it. I wonder if they're just going to release the game eventually, anyway, a year from now, hoping the public dies down. But that sec, if they they're going to release another trailer for this game, and if that doesn't live up to that, then people are going to be pissed. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Like a lot of people also had issue with Cap's outfit. Yeah, he looked kind of riot gear slash hockey padded up. Yeah, um, yeah, and and the guy who's actually voicing Thor, he voices Thor throughout all of the animated incarnations recently. Yeah, and we're so used to Chris Hemsworth that it's like ah, the Shakespearean Thor. Yeah, sounds a little weird right now. We yeah. just like Australian Thor. We like we like Aussie Thor. Aussie Thor is what we want now. I'm down with Fat Thor. I like Fat Thor. Uh, all right, that's our news item, geeky news item uh, section of the segment of the week. Uh, let's jump into our main topic. Which uh, Michael, why don't you introduce the main topic? Well, this week uh, actually uh, we haven't been enjoying a lovely holiday called Superman Day. Yeah, uh, and so we thought this was a good opportunity uh, to talk a little bit about uh, Superman himself, but that also was a Something we have not talked about on the Geek Buddies yet mm-hmm. is uh, we've talked about the Marvel Universe. We've talked about the Star Wars Universe. We've yes. talked about many things. We've not really touched the DC Universe yet. Um, a, because there hasn't been major DC news. Not as a whole. We haven't. Not yeah. as a whole. Outside and, of Robert Pattinson. Yeah, and right. B, because, yeah, we, we did talk about Robert Pattinson we in the did. Batman movies, but we haven't talked about the DC Universe as a whole. I think mainly because you guys don't want me to get really mad and flip a table. Oh, uh, don't flip a table in the well, Roosevelt, please. Right, and we don't want Kalinowski coming out of the woodworks to have well, the battle. Well, then flip the table back over. Right, right. exactly. Flip the table back over exactly. and tell me I'm wrong. Exactly. Um, yeah, so Superman Day, um, and we just kicked around the idea of like talking about why, what it is about the Superman character that still uh, connects with people today, is still very much a vibrant character, and still a source of uh, anger for a lot of DC fans with the current DCU. And not having a Man of Steel 2, the possibility that Henry Cavill is pretty much being shown the door, and what they're going to do with this character going forward, these rumors about him having a, a reboot or being rebooted through the Supergirl story, all of that that's been kicked around. Um, so we just wanted to dive into it and talk about that. Shannon? As, as the group's biggest Superman fan, Michael, what do you think? Uh, well, you know, I mean, it's an interesting space for me to be in because I do love Superman. He is my favorite superhero. He has been for many, many years. Uh, but I'm also not the biggest fan of Henry Cavill or Man of Steel or anything that's been really been happening with Superman in the DCU. So yeah. let me separate the two for a little bit. Okay. Um, I love Superman because he is the strongest superhero there is. Yep. Uh, in the DC universe, he is the biggest, most powerful, strongest, could easily take over everybody, but doesn't because he's that good of a guy. Right. Um, and I think that is inherent in his character. Is he kind of like what Johnny was saying about Star Trek as a universe, how Star Trek sort of is what we all aspire to be? Superman is sort of like the, could we all be as good as this guy is? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that gets to why... 
even Zack Snyder's interpretation of Superman and Man of Steel has never been my Superman because he sort of fell more on a lot of the pain and struggles of being an alien in a human universe, which are completely valid, um, but it just never quite grabbed me the way that Superman in the comics grabs me. And so, as a result of that, Superman in Batman vs. Superman, Superman in Justice League has never really been my Superman. Um, But I do think that, to what you guys are saying, that is what makes Superman so enduring. Is he is sort of like that inspirational... Uh, character that we all look up to that we would all like to be that none of us can ever quite attain nobody right. can be that good but we all want to be that good on our best days yeah he's like the Jesus Christ of the DC universe like you're su- you want to be as good as he was reported to be right so you aspire to be that but what's great about Superman in the stories that get him right is showing his vulnerability, showing his ability to make a mistake or to get upset like, or to pull himself away from a situation, right? He's left leading the Justice League numerous times. And for me, I will always come back to Kingdom Come. That may be quietly my favorite Superman story because it really does explore in retrospect as an older man what it was like to be Superman to have this pressure put on him and society changed from underneath him and he couldn't be part of it anymore and pulled himself away and yet when things are changing later on they go to find him to pull him back into the fight because they need him as this symbol and he is and he then once again the old superman things start kicking in where he thinks that his decisions are the right decisions. He thinks what he's doing is supposed to be how it's supposed to go down and doesn't necessarily listen to other people. At times, Superman has been a benevolent dictator. And that is always what I found the most interesting things about Superman because he is able to destroy the entire world anytime he wants. Um, he can sometimes get a little too... Uh, uh, full of his own ideas or full of his own opinion on something and carry it forward regardless of what anyone else is saying. And I, that, but that's human. That's the human part of him that I think uh, is enjoyable to read in certain uh, comics. Which is what the Injustice Runs. games really lean into yeah. is the not-so-benevolent uh, dictators. Like, he loses Lois at the hands of the Joker. Right. And suddenly they really villainize him because... Not because... He, he's evil or you know keeping people under his thumb but he's like this world is not going to fix itself it is up to me right now growing up I was never a big Superman fan I did like Superman 1 and 2 I think Christopher Reeve is, is an amazing Superman and a Clark Kent but it was really the Justice League animated series that brought me back into Superman watching the way he works inside of a group dynamic and you yeah. get to see that sort of Smallville goodness in him when he's dealing with problems that you know fr- from all across the galaxy and yep. then man of steel like i know you're not a big fan of that i really enjoy man of steel i like what they tried to do i um i, I like what they i like what they accomplished i like what they tried to do more yeah, yeah. because watching the not interrogation scene but the scene between Clark and Lois where he sort of surrendered himself um, you get to see this 
this humanity yeah. that he has in him that he gets from his parents. And uh, I, it's really a shame because I do think uh, uh, Cavill... I do think he's a skilled actor. I think yeah. he needs to be under the right director. I don't think he's had the right director yet to play Superman. And it's a shame if he is being shown the door that we're not going to get to see someone show him the right way to do this. Do you have a favorite run? Do you have a favorite Superman story? A favorite Superman story? Yeah. Uh, I have a few. Um, I think Superman for all seasons uh, is a great comic book story. Okay. Um, I think that uh, Superman Red Sun oh, yeah. as an Elseworlds that. novel where Superman landed in Russia instead of the U.S., instead of Kansas, is a great story. Uh, there is a um, there's a great novel by an uh, author named Tom DeHaven called Superman that is a more realistic telling of the Superman story wow. where he grows up during the Depression um, that is very, very fascinating. It's a very different take on Superman. Interesting. Um, I also, there's a great story that came out about maybe 18 years ago, story arc, I think Ed McGinnis did the artwork for it, called Emperor Joker. Oh. Where the Joker gets all the powers of Mr. Mixelplick. Yeah. And reshapes reality, and it's up to Superman to sort of bring everybody back. Uh, that's a great Superman story. So I, I, have, I have a lot of it. You know, to your point, I think maybe one of the reasons I like Superman so much is because, uh, look, I love Batman, and there are some people that tell really, really great, great Batman stories. Really, yeah. And there's a lot of people that tell good Batman stories. Like, telling a good Batman story, given his, uh, his struggle, his psychology, his rogues gallery, there's a lot of really good Superman. Mm. I, I'm sorry, really good Batman stories out there. I think that it's harder to tell a good Superman story yes. because he is so powerful. Uh, you can't just throw a villain at him and make it a struggle. Like you have to really figure out a way in that more gets into the emotion of who he is, right. his values, his morals, his ethics. So I think it's harder to tell a good Superman story. But when you can nail a really, really good Superman story. It is a thing of beauty. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. And, and you know, when you look at uh, all the celebrations for Superman, everything's going on. I think he endures because we instinctively, as human beings, want to aspire to be as good as he is. Even with his foibles and occasional stumbles or mistakes, his heart is always in the right place. He's always on the right side of things. Uh, even from the beginning, you know, we see those old. Uh, promotional materials about like you know uh, respecting don't bully people every, accept everybody no matter what race they're from or what gender they're, they are like it, it's very much they use Superman to be that message about the idea of a a, um, a youth society that does not see color does not see gender does not see race but sees your character the content of your character and uh, I think that's why he endures over and over again, and at times um, becomes the most important character in DC Comics uh, and in the movies. Um, well, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say, I think that that's what kind of makes Superman interesting to me is for all the fact that he has just a, you know, a, a, a buffet of mm. superpowers. Mm. You know, he's got flight, he's got strength, he's got heat vision, freeze breath, x-ray vision, like everything else. Uh, I actually think it's his uh, his ability to inspire yes. that is his biggest superpower, which is what I think, to me, makes him my favorite superhero. Because yeah. I think that's a thing that um, 
as much as we could all sit around and we all often do as geeks and talk about what our favorite superpower would be. Uh, oh, I want telepathy. I want telekinesis. I want this. I want that. Um, Superman's ability to inspire is actually an attainable ability. That's great. It's an ability that any of us could have. Um, and I think that's what makes me like him so much. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, I, I think what's interesting, too, uh, with Superman now, as we look at the DC... Let's move into the movies, right? Um, we look at the DC uh, EU or DCU as it's being constructed now. We had that Wonder Woman movie as kind of its own thing. Uh, then we had... Obviously, we had the Justice League. We don't need to talk about that, but... We had Aquaman. We had Shazam. We had these kinds of movies that come through and become uh, successful and kind of make it seem as if DC's figured it out. But <laughs> right. But to me, this is the narrative now that is being pushed: is that DC has figured it out. They've turned the corner. Blah blah blah. But what? to to me, and I have to say this, and we'll hear your thoughts. What you guys think? To me, if you don't have a successful Superman. Uh, a franchise going on at the same time, you haven't figured it out. He is the most important character in the DCU. I know you could argue Batman Seven Ways to Sunday, but Batman is always getting rebooted. There's a reason why rebooting Superman is like messing with the Ark of the Covenant. You gotta be gentle and tender and understand what you're doing or you're gonna get your face melted off. And so I feel like that's what happens with Superman. And until you have a successful one coming down the pike I don't think you have figured it out thoughts well my first thought is whoever says that the DC Universe and Warner Brothers have it figured out is crazy because they clearly do not have it figured out <laughs> they've got some they've got some decent movies but they do not have it figured out but I also do agree with you that I don't know that you can have a successful DC Universe and not have a successful Superman right I know that a, what a I've connected, heard a connected universe a connected universe. Well, I mean, Hell, here's what I'll I would start argue. with but a good super. Yeah. But here's what I would argue with you: like, you can't have a DC universe without Superman. Right. You can have a Wonder Woman franchise. Sure. You could have an Aquaman franchise. You can have a bunch of movies that have nothing to do with each other, and that's fine. That's not a universe. Right. Like those are separate franchises. If you want a DC universe. That dictates that those characters all exist within a universe, and that universe doesn't exist without Superman. I don't think it can. Yeah. Shan, what do you think? I mean, I, I guess I don't look at the term, the, the, the DC universe, as like you have to have one big interconnected uh, franchise of films. Okay. Like you can have the DC universe of films where Aquaman's doing his thing, Wonder Woman's doing her thing. Um, do do I think a, a successful film franchise within that universe can exist without Superman? Yes. I think if you're trying to do something interconnected, which they attempted to, and it looks like they're kind of bailing out on now, no. Yeah. Well, they're bailing out of it in a way that's interesting because like people are like, oh, they're not interconnected. Bullshit. You saw in Shazam the logo of Batman and the logo of Superman are the logos from Batman versus Superman. Oh, Shazam takes place within that universe. Yes, like, thank you. Full, fully. Aquaman as well takes place within that universe. Oh, wait, hold on. We've got a drink order coming. Hold on, guys. We're doing last, oh, call. last call. So everybody on Geek Buddies, hold on on this Superman conversation. Have we been recording um, that Because long? I think we are going to get... Uh, I'll do one more. One more of these two. You guys go But ahead. not for John. I and then John. I will close out my tab. 
I hope you all are really excited that you got to hear all of that. It was really uh, <laughs> thrilling for all of you. Yes, thank you very much to the Roosevelt Hotel for letting us sit in, oh, your, yes. uh, sit, <laughs> sit in your bar and do this. Thank you, uh, th- Franklin Delano Roosevelt, or Theodore Roosevelt, or maybe Eleanor Roosevelt. I don't know who bought the book. But like, you, I, yeah, what were you saying? Well, no, because I, I, think, I think kind of the... What DC is doing now to get out of a connected universe is also DC's problem of getting into a connected universe in the first place, which is they just refuse to make a strong stance yes. on anything. Yes, so this like is so frustrating. My personal preference is for an interconnected universe. I think that's where most of your success lies. I think that's what people really want to see. Yes, I think they want. I mean, look, Avengers Endgame was the culmination of. 10 years of a connected universe and it was super satisfying nobody can say when all of the Avengers showed up and Falcon said on your left and everybody came into the to the scene it wasn't the greatest thing you ever saw as a comic book fan that you never thought you would get to see and so Warner Brothers and DC saying we're not going to do that to me is a disappointment but if you're going to do that if you're going to say you know what we're separating everything then make a clear statement and make it really clear in your movies they don't do that it's like they're hedging their bets in any which way which is why you know they don't have a plan because they clearly are sort of kind of testing the waters with every movie to see how that movie does and what the response is and now they're talking about you know with the rumors that Henry Cavill is no longer going to be Superman right they're saying maybe they're not going to go down the Superman road and they're just going to do Supergirl and I love Supergirl I love Kara Zor-El I think she's got a great thing but I think an inherent part of Kara's story is that she's Superman's cousin I mean that's in any really good Supergirl story there's a level of that and so I think that I do think that maybe there's someone who has an amazing tape on, take on Supergirl that could turn her into that hero, but I just feel like if you can't... Like, look, here's what we're saying with the DC Universe right now. They're not sure what they're doing with Superman, and because of Matt Reeves' Batman movies that have been announced, Batman's story is going to be completely separate from any DC thing they're going to do. Yeah. So they've taken their two biggest heroes, and one they clearly don't know what they're doing with, and the other one they know what they're doing, but that is a trilogy that has nothing to do with the rest of the characters in the DC universe. Yeah. None of this strikes me as a cohesive plan on how to launch your superhero characters in a universe, whether it's connected or not. Okay. Yeah, it feels to me a little bit like fool's gold. Like, oh, yes, uh, Aquaman made a billion dollars. Great. Shazam was pretty much universally beloved by the critics and only made around 400 or a little bit under 400 million worldwide. And, of course, Wonder Woman is untouchable. But to me, when you look at all the films, you know, Man of Steel, I think Wonder Woman is the only one that's universally beloved um, and showed it at the box office. That's their only home run thus far. Yeah, I, I think so, Agreed. too. Yeah, I think so, too. But it doesn't mean that uh, Shazam isn't a good movie on its own that some people liked. Aquaman certainly made a billion dollars, so there was something about that formula that worked. Venom did, too, and most people objectively will tell you that Venom's not a good movie, but somehow it made a shit ton of money. So you look at this <laughs> idea, and that's what it feels like. It feels like, to me, people are like saying all this stuff about DC, but I'm like, it feels a little bit like fool's gold. I think Matt Reeves' Batman is going to show us, the Batman rather, is going to really show us where they're going. And I don't think you can build a Justice League that is Batman and Wonder Woman, but no Superman. It's so essential to the entire makeup. My question to you guys now as we move into this other area of the Superman conversation is, if this is going to be a reboot, do you want, what kind of a reboot of Superman do you want? Do you want a Superman that's through Supergirl? 
or do you want a Superman that's on its own? Because sometimes people like Kevin Smith or JJ, they write these uh, new takes on Superman. Guess what? Krypton didn't blow up. Guess what? Lex Luthor's Kryptonian. Guess what? Spider-Man's been living on Krypton, or Superman's been living on Krypton for like 15, 20 years. I think the toolbox is good enough. You want to show me that you're a great artist? Use the tools that are already in the fucking box and create something incredible within the construct and mythology of Superman. Don't go so far out there and think you're being inventive. I don't agree with that. You're very aggressive right now. I like well, it. <laughs> you know, these in, sometimes these geeky intellectuals overthink themselves and think they're doing something when I think they're copping out by not using the mythology. I mean, personally, I think if Cavill is being shown the door... I th- I think you have to put Superman on ice for a little bit. Wow. Why? I think just because... Uh, do you Is, want another actor coming in there in, in sort of a fractured universe? Well, so I think there's two questions here, and I think this really gets to the heart of it. Is that... Here's the problem that I, I will tell you. If, if there's Warner Brothers executives or DC executives that are sitting in a room... Right now, while everyone is listening to this, this is the inherent problem that they are having, which is they don't want to get rid of Momoa or right. Gal Gadot. Or Gal Gadot, right. And, or even Levi now. And even Levi, they're like, that worked. They don't want to get rid of those three. But, well, Levi could go a little bit either way because he wasn't involved in Justice League. Like, right, the issue is that you had Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Superman, and Batman and the Flash all ta- and Cyborg all talking to each other and having an adventure together and doing things. And if you have that Wonder Woman and that Aquaman dealing with Captain Marvel over here, but you have Robert Pattinson playing a much younger Batman in a different franchise over here. Dealing with yeah. Captain Marvel. What are you talking about? Shazam. Shazam. Okay. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> we, listen, Shazam. He was Captain Marvel Sorry. first, by the way. I, uh, I'm a little old school. I refer to my Shazams as Captain Sorry. Marvel. I know that that's no longer appropriate. Brie Larson popped into my head. Yep. And I got confused. I've been um, here. I would, I'd be here for that movie. That's another conversation. <laughs> but I just think that like any executive right now is trying to, to, to navigate this. How do we do this? And so I think the reason that you're hearing them say we're not doing a connected universe is because that's the only thing that allows them to have... Matt Reeves, the right, Batman over right, here, right. continue to have Patty Jenkins do Wonder Woman stories over here, get another Aquaman movie that's going to make a billion dollars, and then tell them that with the next Shazam movie to not have Batman or Superman mentioned in it. And that's going to allow them to continue. Um, and then I think there's probably a hope that after two or three more movies in each of those franchises and maybe doing a Supergirl movie and bringing her in instead of Superman to like keep him on ice, they can bring everybody back together and we can all just forget yeah. about what's happened before that. I mean, right. that's probably the, the closest thing I could come up to with what an executive strategy would be. Um, but I just wish that... You know, I mean, I, I'm sitting here trying to think what I would do. If they're going to do this Matt Reeves thing with the Batman, with Robert Pattinson playing a younger Batman, and they're just going to like reboot that entire universe, yeah. then I would just let them continue on with Wonder Woman, continue on with Momoa, continue on with Shazam if they want. I would be finding someone right now to do the exact same thing Matt Reeves is doing, yes. but to do it with Superman. Yep. 
So find someone who's going to do a trilogy of Superman movies where you're going to find someone who really loves the character and to Johnny's point is not going because like what Matt Reeves is doing he's he's said this like you know we talked about it a few weeks ago but he's not trying to recreate Batman or give us a Batman we've never seen before or he's a Batman with superpowers or it was whatever it was you know it's changing everything Um, I uh, what he's doing is He's taking the detective aspect of Batman, which is something we've never seen before, but right. exists in the toolbox, and he's digging down on that. So find someone who's going to tell a Superman story and give us a trilogy that has Brainiac, that has Lobo, that right. has Lex Luthor, that really builds out the rogues gallery, gives us the Superman we've always wanted, and then have the Robert Pattinson Batman and the new Superman meet up. Yeah, And by that time, assume that maybe... Wonder Woman and Momoa and all those. Gal has hung up her lasso. Momoa has hung up his trident. And maybe start with other superheroes. Maybe bring in Martian Manhunter. Green right? Lantern. Maybe bring in Green, Green Lantern. Lantern. Maybe right. bring in some of the characters that haven't gotten their due. And then bring in new Wonder Womans and new Aquamans as these older ones have run their course. Yeah. That's probably the best way that I can think of from a long-term strategy to build a successful thing. And you're sort of building, you're hanging your... Lantern, no quote, no pun intended. Hey, but you're hanging your lantern on a new younger Batman and a new younger Superman that are going to be the future of your franchise, and let these other people who are the successful aspects of the failed franchise run their course. Well, the other option though is you've got yourself a Wonder Woman who's very beloved by the fan base. You've got yourself an Aquaman that made a billion dollars. You've got yourself a Shazam, a Captain Marvel Shazam from Zachary Levi. So. The question is, do they reconstruct the Justice League where Wonder Woman is in the Superman role with a maybe future Robert Pattinson Batman with uh, uh, Zachary Levi's Captain Marvel standing in for the muscle of Superman and uh, possibly Green Lantern or Green Arrow and The Flash, which is not going to be Ezra Miller. Uh, Maybe this is the new Justice League where it's Wonder Woman leading the way. And this is already happening in numerous franchises, right? Captain Marvel in the Marvel franchise, rumors about her leading the new Avengers are are all over the place. Star Wars has Rey leading the situation. Uh, the situation? Well, leading the, the three mo- movies. Uh, so this idea of women leading franchises is no longer a taboo thing. Oh, yeah. So would this be possible as a reconstruction? I have no and then trouble. You put Superman on ice for ten years. I have no trouble with Wonder Woman leading the Justice League, yeah. like conceptual. I have no trouble with a woman leading the Justice League. Period. Right. Here's here's what I do now. As I'm thinking about it, uh, if you had Wonder Woman, what Aqu- were you doing before? Just stumbling through. Well, your no. Play? As you were saying what you were okay, saying, okay. it kind of sparked an idea. If Wonder Woman, Shazam, and Aquaman sort of were the anchors of this Justice League. Right. And you brought in whatever other characters you wanted to bring in, bring Cyborg back, maybe Ezra Miller, whoever. And these guys were a Justice League and you just didn't have Batman and Superman at all. And meanwhile, you had this Matt Reeves Batman trilogy and a Superman trilogy over here where it was younger characters and those two met each other. Then do your DC Universe crisis 10 years from now where these old gal... Aquaman, 
Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Shazam, whoever else they met, and any other characters you brought into this younger franchise right. came together and all met up for some giant thing where they all had to come together. Right. And then from that point forward, you, had a, you would have a franchise with a younger Batman and Superman and these older characters, but that might be an interesting dynamic. Like That might, that might be an interesting way that fans would go, wow, you really screwed things up, mm-hmm. but you made lemonade out of lemons, right. and now you got there eventually. Yeah. I like that idea. I mean, I like, I like the piecemeal Justice League that they would they would essentially be making. Right. I wonder, do after the underperformance of Justice League, do they call it Justice League? Uh, not for a while. Yeah. I don't see that coming out anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, it's too bad just because Gal did work so well. Yeah. Momoa. I mean. I'm a huge Aquaman fan. Right. Is he the guy that I grew up with? No. But I really like I like the reinvention that they did Listen, with him. I'm not the biggest fan of the Aquaman movie, but I think he's one of the better parts of it, sure. for sure. Yeah. And then Zach Levi had endless had endless amounts of charm yep. as Shazam. Yeah, it, watching Avengers Endgame, watching especially the end, the mm-hmm. portal scene, you know DC can do that. Yeah. Sure. Like they have the roster, they have the history, yep. they have the characters to make that sort of visceral feeling that the audience had where grown men are crying. Yeah. Watching Falcon fly in, right. watching Doctor Strange and Spider Man zip in. God, I want DC to be able to do that. Yeah. And that's the hope. And that's, you know, and if you're listening to us and you're a DC fan, oh, that's where we're coming from. We're not coming from like. Oh, it's all the sky is falling. You don't understand what's happening. It's more a matter of like we want them to get the act together in a certain way so that we can come back to universally enjoying every one of these movies that come out from the DC uh, universe. Let me ask you because we got to wrap up here. We got like five minutes left. Real quick, whose name would excite you as a director if it was announced that a reboot of Superman was happening? Orson Welles. Okay. Orson Welles' Superman would be something. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> David Lean. Oh, God. A four-hour <laughs> Superman movie. Two hours in. We're still on Krypton? <laughs> Lord God. Fosse. This is- Bob Fosse? Yep. A Fosse Superman. That's an, you, you thought Zack Snyder's Superman was bitter and angry. I would love to see the Bob Fosse Superman. <laughs> I didn't think it was... Uh, Holy shit. Did you see all that jazz? Or anyway. <laughs> uh, so who... Like, we were kicking this around, and uh, I, I suggested to you guys when we were having food earlier, when we were having, a, like, a pre-discussion about this, um, that wouldn't it be something if they found a way to get Ben Affleck to come back? Maybe Chris Terrio writes the script... And they do a Batman, a Superman movie directed by Ben Affleck, and find a young actor to play Superman. I, I, I'm I, asking you to opine on that if you don't want to. Well, I'll just say, I mean, I, I, I don't want to. Like, I don't want to. I, I think Ben Affleck is, at this point in his career, a much stronger director than he is an actor. Yes, uh, and I think he's a very, very good director. So I'm not. I'm not knocking this in a way of me saying that I don't think he'd do a good job because I think he's a really excellent director. He is. But Ben Affleck directing a movie doesn't, like a Batman movie or a Superman movie doesn't necessarily excite me. Wow. Okay. Agreed. Yeah. I don't, I don't think from his uh, directing resume, I don't see anything of the scale okay. for Superman that I think would be required. Okay. Who would you? 
Are there any? I would, here's what I would love to say. Here, I don't have a name, but what I will say is, um, I would love to see someone who's not a typical. I would love to see a woman or a person of color or somebody that just has a really different perspective okay. on what it means to be Superman because I think that would give us something different. Yeah. You know, I think a lot about like Taika Waititi with Thor. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just think he's got such a different voice. And is he someone I would have ever put on a list if you had asked me three years ago, who do you want to see direct a Thor movie? Right. I would never... He would never have occurred to me in a million years. So I think rather than kind of picking somebody out of like that stable of directors that comes to mind, yeah. um, which also happened to, for better or for worse, often be a bunch of white men, yeah. um, I would love to say, let's find someone completely different to come in. Because like, I am a white gay man. Uh, I relate a lot to Superman. Mm-hmm. But I think that there are a lot of people that relate to things about him as a character that would be really interesting um, yeah. that are not men, that are not white, that are just, you know, like, let's, let, let's get those voices in there and let yeah. them tell their story. Yeah. Shin? I think what would have been interesting at one point, and I doubt it will ever happen now, would be a Steven Spielberg Superman. Oh, yeah. I think that would have been... A cool Superman movie. Yeah, now if that was announced, you'd be almost trepidatious. Yeah, or yeah I'm talking. I'm talking. Yeah, are we getting like? Are we getting like uh, Close Encounters Spielberg, or we're we getting Ready Player One Spielberg? Because I got opinions. <laughs> I'm talking pre Jurassic Park Spielberg. Oh yeah, that's that's a Superman uh, Superman movie that I, I would have been interested in seeing. I think a Christopher Nolan Superman movie would be incredible. Well, I mean, you kind of. Yeah, Zach, but the, but Zach still directed that, and and Christopher was the executive producer, but we don't know fully the extent he had on that, uh, the effect he had on that movie. See, I don't was it a Spielberg executive producer type of thing, or was it actually hands on executive producer I don't type? No, I mean when I think of Nolan's directing, I, I don't get much the way you say Star Trek needs to be hopeful. Mm. I think that's what Superman needs to be, and I don't necessarily get that. You don't think Interstellar is hopeful at the end? You don't think? I get with the Batman movies, not necessarily, but Interstellar certainly has. Uh, we'll see, but hope but, to but it. I think you're picking one out. But okay, I, I'm thinking Inception. I'm thinking also, I don't know that I, would say, I think Interstellar is beautiful. Yeah, I don't know that it strikes me as a happy movie. Not happy, but hopeful. So I see, but I see what you're saying. So what's an, what's a director that could do that? I don't know. I don't know right now who's out there that could really step into a Superman movie. And understand the character. I think that's the number one thing. Understand the character and bring the best parts of that character out to be seen in the movie. I don't know. But we'll see. We'll see as this goes along because we didn't even touch on the Flash movie, which is not going to happen anytime soon. (laughs) Uh, You know, there's a lot still to be said from the DC Universe. And we'll see uh, what plays out and what happens as uh, this goes along. Um, and certainly if there is a Superman reboot when they finally announce it, because there's no way they announce Cavill is officially gone off the roll until they have some plan in place for Superman, I imagine. That would be a massive mistake, don't you think? I feel like DC right now is literally like when you were in high school and everybody was trying to keep secrets about like who was dating who <laughs> and who was breaking up with who and what was going on. And like everybody knew... But, right. like, nobody would say. Right. And, like, you'd be walking through the halls and you'd be, like, see them coming. You're like, oh, they're walking together. But, like, we know they're broken up. Like, that's, like, D.C. is, like, the worst breakup in high school. Oh, yeah. It drags on. Like, we all time. know what's going on, but they won't officially say. So right. we all just sort of pretend like we don't know, but we know. Right. 
Yeah, oh, I'll contend that. Guys, I got to get to third period science. This is bananas. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll contend that Affleck knew he was gone off Batman uh, at Hall H. When they when that when that Hollywood oh, yeah. when that Hollywood Reporter story broke that morning and they all denied it, Ben's reaction at whole Hall H was to sit back and watch everybody else take the spotlight, take center stage, <laughs> and he was just savoring the last few moments that he was going to be Batman or considered Batman in well, public. And then the same thing happened again with Cavill, like when they right. announced that sort of like he wasn't doing the cameo in Shazam. And then it was sort of like, well, we've loved him being Cavill, but we're excited for the future of Superman. And yeah. then his, his reps came out, and they were like, no, he is the future of Superman. He's super excited to be a part of it. And we were all like, worst breakup ever. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. Very true. Right, we want to hear what you guys think. What do you think? What do you think is the future of the DC universe? What do you think is happening here? Do you think we're off base thinking that they haven't really turned the ship around just yet or that you can make that assessment just yet? Let us know in the comment section of uh, wherever you listen to us uh, on whatever podcast feed you listen to us. Uh, we would appreciate that. All right, let's wrap this up. Thanks, everybody, for listening to us this week on the Geek Buddies here from the Roosevelt Bar Hotel Bar. I hope we haven't. I hope the music or the random conversations around us haven't irritated to you too much. And, I feel like uh, it's like ambient sound. Yeah, it's like you guys can listen to this with your headphones in and just pretend you're like at a nice uh, yeah. evening out with your friends with us with the buddies. Oh my yeah. God, we are your friends. That's right. <laughs> That's right, Michael. Uh, what should they do? Uh, you guys, listen. Whatever you're doing right now, stop. Get on your computer. Boom. Give us some stars. Give us all the stars. Yeah. Give us some comments. Tell us what you think of us. Tell others what you think of us. And uh, then go to Twitter and retweet us. Yeah. Tell everybody. Like, let's have a conversation. Let's be geeks together. <laughs> yeah. Give us some stars. Give us some follows on Twitter yeah. at geek underscore buddies and then on Instagram at... The underscore geek underscore buddies. Nice. Very well done. And the reason Mike brings up the comments and the ratings is because when you do that, it pushes our visibility up higher in iTunes. People get to find us and uh, they get to listen to us. Um, and we're going to go another half an hour because Shannon has to pee so bad. Oh we're going to keep him on the I damn mic. You guys, Shannon is literally, I'm not lying to you. If you were here right now at the Roosevelt Hotel, Shannon is legitimately doing the pee-pee dance yeah, as we're is. doing the wrap-up. So John and I are actually going to make this actually <laughs> really at least long. two or three minutes longer. At least. Because he is rolling back and forth in yeah. his chair. Yeah. Um, so listen, guys. And like most things in life, if you drink three beers, duh, you got to pee. Duh. I hope. You've enjoyed this episode about lesbian ponies. There it is. And R-rated Star, Star Trek. And video games. And, and Superman. It was two and a quarter beers. And the DC Universe. Uh, all right, you can follow. Uh, let's do it with Shannon. You can follow Shannon at Shannon underscore McClung on Twitter. And you can follow Shannon on uh, Instagram at Shannon... Is the Geek Buddy or Shannon? What is it? Shannon the Geek Buddy. Shannon the Geek Buddy. There you go. You, you can, can follow John <laughs> at... Oh, you dick. The Roka says. <laughs> this is part of being buddies. You're and kind you of playfully dicks to each other. Michael Vogel at <laughs> MKTune on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and there you go. All right. Listen, guys. <laughs> One thing I want to say before we go. damage to my kidneys. In life. Oh, boy. 
This is There's going to be things that come your way. Slings and arrows. But stay true to you. And always remember to pace out your visits to the restroom. <gasps> All right. We'll there give we Shannon go. a break. There Everybody have a wonderful week. We will talk to you next week on The, the Geek, Geek Buddies. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.